Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro. Some of you who've been listening or following me for a while might be familiar with my career journey. It's always involved writing, but there have been a lot of other paths and roads along the way. Today, my career encompasses multiple hats, all of them involving writing in some form or another, along with the actual writing of the books. And I have to say, I love when I meet people who have similar journeys and are on the same path as me. My guest today is one of those people. Natasha Tynes is a Jordanian-American author and communications professional who owns and operates a digital media agency, Suburban Media Group. She has over 20 years of experience working as a journalist, writer, and social media manager. She's a regular contributor to a number of publications in and out of the United States. She's appeared in the Washington Post, Nature Magazine, Elle Magazine, Post Esquire, and Al Jazeera, among others. And she's been on shows like Larry King Live, Paula Zahn, CBS Morning Show, BBC's Up All Night, and others. She also hosts a podcast, Read and Write with Natasha, where she talks with authors, publishers, and book marketers around the world. And she's a fiction writer. Her most recent work is the speculative literary novel, They Call Me Wyatt. See any parallels here? I mean, I haven't made it onto any national shows yet, but other than that, there are a few. So I had a great conversation with Natasha about all of these things, but my favorite part was the mindset stuff that we talk about. You all know I'm obsessed with mindset and how it can make or break you. And she gets that and she's living that work too, just like a lot of us. So we talk about mindset as it relates to business, as it relates to writing, as it relates to life in general, right? Because all of this stuff is intertwined. And she... I love her perspective and I love the way she approaches things and I love the way she's made her business work and how dedicated she is to her fiction. And so she's a really fun person. We had a great conversation and I can't wait for you to meet her. So here we go. 
Natasha, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Hi, Liz. Thank you for having me. So great to have you. I'm so excited to talk to you. So you have an impressive 20 years of experience writing in journalism, digital media. You're also a podcaster. You write fiction. So tell us about yourself and your business and your writing and how you got started with everything. Sure, yeah. So my background is in journalism and communications. And for the past 20 plus years, I worked as a journalist, as a social media manager, as a project manager, training journalists all over the world. Um, I got published in a number of publications like the Washington Post, El Magazine and others. Um, and I published uh, fiction, uh, a novel, and I'm working on two others. Um, talking with an agent now, so wish me luck. Uh, yeah, good luck. That's uh, the hardest thank- part. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And for the past two years or so, I started my own um, small business. It's an LLC where I provide content uh, to brands, individuals. I do ghostwriting as well. Um, I still publish in publications. Uh, most of what I provide is, so it's like, it's two tiers, right? There's the, the creative side and there's the client side. The client side is I provide, which is still creative, honestly, you know, uh, newsletters, blogs, and others. And then the creative side where I do my own fiction work, plus I do coaching. Um, I uh, ran a couple of cohorts. I'm about to launch my self-paced courses. So yeah, um, just, uh, you know, doing what I love, which is reading and writing, which is fun. Yeah. We have a lot in common because I'm kind of on the same track. I started out in journalism, communication. I've been a communications uh, person in corporate for many years. Um, yeah. still doing corporate consulting on the side. Um, I've been writing fiction for a while. I've been doing, you know, I started my own business, my own LLC, um, last year. Yeah. Working on, you know, teaching, writing, I have a membership for writers. So we've, we've got a lot in common. I feel like we're in a similar place. So now we have to be best friends now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Was journalism kind of how you got started? Like, was that your first area of interest? Yeah. I mean, it started when I was really young. Um, you know, my favorite topic at school was always reading and writing. And I always like won awards for essays and, uh, when I was young, I used to publish in newspapers, send letters to the editor, you know, complaining about this and that or whatever. And then um, right after college, I started uh, working at an, an online news um, website. It was late 90s in the Middle East. So it was one of its kind back when people did not even uh, know what an email was. So it was very revolutionary back then. And then uh, it was fun. I learned a lot, especially about uh, online publishing. Uh, And yeah, and that was in the late 90s. And then I got a scholarship and, um, and I went to England, to London, and I got my master's in journalism. Uh, and then, um, I continued doing fiction writing on the side, but I really got serious about it. I think, uh, 10 years ago when I decided I really want to publish uh, a book, uh, I, I published uh, a number of short stories in, in different, uh, magazines. Uh, but I thought, you know, the next step is a book. So now I'm actually also doing the, and uh, novel writing uh, month NaNoWriMo project. So I'm yep. um, working on a brand new novel. So yeah, <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'm taking this fiction writing pretty seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. Is this your first nano? Yes. Uh, well, I think I looked into it once and I created an account, but I never did anything. But now I'm doing it. I'm not sure I'll make the count, but I was like, okay, if at least I write 30,000 words, that's good enough. You know, it's better yep. than nothing. So I'm doing it. Have you ever done it? Yeah, I've done it a bunch of times and I've actually been talking about it a lot on the podcast. Oh, um, nice. so my, yeah. So my, uh, a bunch of my members and my, my writers membership have, are doing it for the first time this year. And so we actually just did a whole session on you know, how to set your own goals and not worry about the, you know, being precise with the 50,000 words that is kind of the, you know, the overarching goal of nano. So it's interesting that you've approached that the um, same way. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, um, and for me, the best advice was I was just looking into YouTube videos and one person said something I was like, yeah, this is great, which is a uh, 10 minute increment. So mm whatever, like 10 minutes between, I don't know, picking up a kid or uh, I have 10 minutes and I just like write quickly 100, 200 words in 10 minutes and I then move on. And the idea of like, you know, when they tell you, how do you eat an elephant yeah. piece by piece? So for me, that is the elephant, is eating the elephant in 10 minute increment pieces. Um so yeah, so I, I, that's that's working. And yesterday, you know, just between things I was doing, like ten minutes here, ten minutes there, and it's working so, so far. So knock on wood. Let's see. <laughs> I love that because so that so obviously this is a writing podcast, and you have one as well. So I'm sure process is something that you talk about a lot on your own yeah. podcast. But um, I like to talk about it here because I I'm really trying to get better at that. You know using the 10, 15 minutes at a time, because I used to be really one of those all or nothing people. Like if I didn't have a giant chunk of time, I would yeah. be like, well, what's the use, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I've had to work yeah. really hard to overcome that mindset um, and just start, you know, getting stuff done in smaller periods of time. Did that come easily to you or were you always like that? No, I think I was a bit like you, which is I want it like the whole day. And then I realized when I had the whole day, I would not even do it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so crazy, right? <laughs> and then I was sort of forced into this 10 minutes because I have three kids and um, I'm always like under the gun in terms of time. And, uh, and uh, they, they're still young, like the youngest is six. So he always needs attention. Um, and so the, the any 10 minutes I have, I take it. And I am finding that I'm more produ uh, productive uh, uh, doing that. You, have you heard of the Parkinson law or like the, the task expands? I don't like to overuse the Parkinson law because that's that makes me procrastinate and I'm trying to, to read procrastination, but it's kind of... Uh, when I have no choice, I revert to the Parkinson law. <laughs> and um, I'm at a moment of my life where um, sometimes I drop them, the kids off somewhere and I have that. I just actually uh, wrote about it on LinkedIn, um, a lap desk. I take it with me everywhere, even in the car. So I put the lap desk, you know, and then I put my laptop and I write in the car like 10 minutes, whatever, I'll do it. Uh, sometimes when I walk the dog, I use otter and I talk to otter and um, that's that's a paragraph. 
transcribes it, copy it, put it in Scrivener. <laughs> Sorry, I'm geeking. I'm geeking out in tools, but I take it from uh, other, uh, plug it in Scrivener. Then, no, actually, plug, plug it in Grammarly, take it from Grammarly, put it back in Scrivener. So this is, you just do whatever you have to do, yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. And I love that you use Scrivener. I'm a huge Scrivener fan. Um, I've been using it for a long time, and it's how I've written most of my books once I discovered it, so... Yeah, it's very helpful. It kind of ga- gamifies the writing for me. It makes it like a game, especially when you divide it into chunks. Yeah. So for me, like the novel that I'm writing for the uh, NaNoWriMo is, I was like, okay, this chapter is from the point of view of this person, this person, this person. It's like, okay, what do I feel like writing today? Okay, it's from the uh, uh, the captain who's investigating the crime, right? So I plug a few sentences here. Oh, here's 100 words. Okay, I want to switch to this point. Oh, here's a few hundred words. Yeah. So, and then you, and this is how you build the momentum. Um, so just gamify it. And yeah. this is how it works. Yeah. I also like that it. you can set your, so I'm on a deadline right now, which we won't talk about, but uh, <laughs> I love how it. you can set your um, your target words and your target, deadline yeah. and it will tell you how yeah. many words you need to do every day and which can be good, but also, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I hit my word count for the day. I can stop. And then I'm like, no, you should uh, keep going. <laughs> you can actually do that. Uh, I have yeah. to figure out the settings. There's a lot to learn when it comes to Scrivener. It and totally I, is. I can I have to you. Go through you. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take you up with that. Sure. Cool. Um, so tell us about your fiction. Oh, uh, sure. So the first one was... Uh, you know, you can say uh, speculative murder mystery. Uh, the one that I finished, and I'm talking with an agent about it, and they have edit an editor as well helping me just to make sure it's um, the right shape before we start selling it. To uh, it's um, urban fantasy. It's most of my fiction is based a bit on my background because that's what I know. <laughs> which is I was born in the Middle East and I immigrated to the U.S. Uh, like 18 years ago. So most of my fiction has uh, um, elements like Middle Eastern elements to it and immigration, identity, being a woman, motherhood, all of that stuff because it's, you know, you write about what you know and that's that's what I know, you know, like I, it's hard for me to write about someone who grew up in Iowa or something because I didn't live that life. So, um, um, so, but I also like magical elements. Don't ask me why. I like magical elements. It's supernatural. I think since I was young, I've always been interested in ghost stories, uh, the afterlife. So I, you know, whenever I write anything, I always find myself going to, to that direction. So it would be like um, a normal setting and then something magical happens in the urban setting. So that's what I call urban fantasy. Um, so the, what the, the finished product now that I'm trying to sell or publish or even self-publish, it's about, uh, again, an immigrant from the Middle East in the U.S. suburbs who has a superpower, which is she sees the future and of, of people who touch her. And so when she walks her dog around the neighborhood, she uncovers the, the secrets of suburbia. 
Um, and then at the same time, she has a nemesis uh, who knows about her secret and trying to take her down. So Ooh, that's very cool. I like it. So that's yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a three book series. So Thanks. I'm done with the first one, and hopefully, if publish the first one, they will give me the motivation to to finish the other two. That's awesome. That sounds really fun. And then your other book was a murder mystery. Did you always were you always interested in murder? Asks, yes. the, asks the murder mystery girl. <laughs> uh, who is this? Are we like a uh, woman who a Friday night drink wine and listen to Dateline? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. Yeah. Um, that's so I funny. Think- my, my best friend is from, is from Egypt and she, that's like her perfect, aside from the wine, she doesn't drink wine, but she's like, <laughs> okay. there's Dateline. She's like, I just want to watch Dateline. <laughs> Come on, Keith, Keith Morrison is the bomb, you know, like, <laughs> so like, you, <laughs> you just sit and listen, and I don't know, just there's something about, I think for me, I love the, um, the dateline because it starts with people who had or, you know, seems to have the perfect life, especially like they always start with these like rich people who have like the perfect marriage the perfect kids whatever and then something sinister happens yeah yeah that's why i like it yeah fun. it's fun are you a crime junkie fan also uh with what's her name ashley uh, flowers ashley flowers yeah, <laughs> yeah ashley flowers. <laughs> i actually discovered ashley flowers when i used to listen to her podcast i think it's called supernatural or oh, okay. she has another podcast about the supernatural and then i'm now also listening to her novel all good people here uh, oh, i decided that. to li- i decided to listen to it instead but she's not narrating it but still i yeah. decided but she I wrote haven't it listened, yeah. i haven't i haven't read it or listened to it yet but it's on my list yeah yeah i i like the way she tells the story yeah. uh, she has a very nice way of narrating and i like it very cool so do you still dabble in journalism at all? Is it something that you that you miss, or but you're, are you still doing it? I dabble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not something you can get away from. Like I was a journalist too, and I feel like it's something that's you know it's it's more than just a job. It's something that kind of stays with you, right? Yeah, I mean, I try to stay away from politics, uh, but it's really hard, yeah. <laughs> especially with what's happening now. So. Uh, I still I still pitch to and sometimes publications approach me. So like the latest one was a book review uh, in a, in a publication. Um, sometimes like I was approached during the pandemic to write something about um, like how Palestinians are getting their vaccines compared to how Israelis are getting vaccines. So there, there was always a political side to it. Uh, but, um, I mean, I still publish, but my focus, uh, now is, is, is fiction and cultural issues, not politics. But as I said, it's really hard to stay away from it, given my background and given the fact that I worked for, um, big organizations like Al Jazeera and others, and I, I covered the second Iraq war. So a few weeks ago, I was asked to speak at a, at, um, at a community college about what's happening in the Middle East uh, as as a journalist uh, from a you know journalist point of view, but again sometimes you know I I try to focus on fiction, but this part of me still comes back because you know it's part of who I am I guess yeah 
Yeah. Have you kept up with like the, how journalism has kind of evolved in the Middle East or, and, and yeah. around the Middle East? Yeah. What do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a member of the Arab American Journalists Association. They're based in New York. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, in touch with them and they also in touch with what's happening in the Middle East. Um, I think what's happening now mostly uh, and when it comes to, you know, the biggest news that's happening now, which is uh, uh, the Gaza war, is uh, most of the coverage is happening on social media. Uh, even the big news outlets, they're all, you know, uh, pushing everything on social media because, uh, you know, in the past we used, we used to watch news of the war we would like to turn on the tv now especially the younger generation that's how they get the news and even the the journalists on the ground in gaza um this is this is how they report as instagram reels or tiktok videos or like videos on short videos on on social media and one thing that i noticed is you know People in the Middle East and the Arab world, they they actually love social media because it gives them the uh, gave them the outlet yeah. uh, to bypass some of the restrictive uh, speed uh, freedom of speech laws. So they're very good at it, honestly. Uh, and it's it's their time now. They're yeah. they're doing a lot of of good work in terms of coverage, and um, so that's that's where the attention is, honestly. Yeah. And so you and your digital media company, you're counseling clients also on how to use social media and how to get there. Can you talk about your, you know, how, how has, how did your work in journalism kind of influence your transition over to this business? Mm -hmm. So as, as I said, my, my first job out of, out of college was in a digital news media in the late nineties. So Many of the people that I work with were just born in the, in the late '90s, so so I have a lot of experience in that. And you cannot separate journalism from digital journalism; it's all journalism uh, at, at at this point. You know, in the past, you would call it like you know, digital media, online media, right. online journalism. Now it's it's all the same because the concept of a newspaper just alone that people is just it's long gone it's a whole package um so um, for my clients some of them i actually do the work for them you know i roll up my sleeve and get in in the weeds like i i actually write their newsletters not only tell them this is what you need to do um and some of them i i look at what they're doing and then help them grow so i noticed there was a client in jordan they didn't have a linkedin uh, page and they were interested in um, getting uh, investors and funders and many of them are based in the middle east and a number of the embassies are willing to invest uh, if they're doing you know some reporting work on youth and women and elections so my, you know, I advise them, you have to have LinkedIn if you want to reach that audience. You know, you cannot just post reels and you get all these likes and, um, uh, you know, reposts from, from the population. But if you want to reach 
the investors you have to to publish in English on LinkedIn. Uh, so that's one way. Um, and uh, I also designed their newsletter in terms of this is how you should do it. Start with like a personal introduction, then recommendation, then creation, then call to action. So it, it depends on their needs. Uh, some of that, the clients are individuals who want to write a book. So I'm coaching uh, one person today who reached out. She wanted to write a, a, a book and she, you know, uh, she's an academic. So the idea of writing a book that is not in the academia was a bit daunting. So I kind of walk her through the steps of how to think about writing a book, how it's different from academia. So really, it depends. Um, and I've been fortunate. So uh, some of them I called pitch and I got the clients. But lately, I've been fortunate that Many of them reach out through LinkedIn. So <laughs> LinkedIn is 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 probably my favorite so far. Although I have more followers, let's say, on, on Twitter or maybe more engagement on Instagram, but it, like you know, the place that actually pays my bills is LinkedIn, which is which is interesting. Yeah. I love that. And I need to get back to LinkedIn myself. I've been not not keeping up with it. Um, So do you find that mostly for for the client side of your work or do you also find that it's helping you in, you know, in your actual creative writing as well? So most of the authors are on Instagram, uh, I see, or on Twitter. That's where most of the people who talk about their books, so like book reveal, or um, that's where the action is. Uh, There are some writers who talk about their fiction um, there that I follow and I interact with. Um, But I feel for the client side, it's on LinkedIn, so... I have a, I had a client who reached out uh, a few weeks ago, and I just signed with them. And I'm going to be writing blog posts for them. Uh, so I attend events in my city, and then I, I write blog posts for them. It's a nice gig. Uh, it, it, you know, it'll get me out of the house, and it will also support my creative writing that does not pay anything, as you know, <laughs> and, uh, or, or supports like sub- the, the podcast, so, you know, where the subscription and gear and paying for the editor and all of that. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of getting paying clients, it's LinkedIn. So in terms of selling books or it's, it's you know, a mix of uh, Instagram and um a bit of Facebook, a bit of Twitter here and there, but yeah. Yeah. You think people are going to stick around on Twitter or X or whatever it's called today? I, I've just kind of abandoned it myself. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on and off on it. Um, like I go back and I, I still see some action. I think people usually go there if there's a big event, like the, the war in Gaza. I mean, many people went there to get updates. And um, I don't know. It's uh, honestly, I think it's disappointing what happened to it. Personally, um, it's for me the rebranding was just. I don't think it was a good idea. Uh, but you know, that's just my subjective opinion. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I get more joy and more. Um, I think. In, not only engagement, but more, I said, on the client side from LinkedIn. It's it's a higher level of 
conversation of engagement. And um, that's, I think that's where I spend most of my time now. Yeah. Very cool. So tell me about some of the milestones that kind of have had you changed your trajectory over your career, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's, you know, I I feel like same, same with me. It's like, it started out here, it kind of went over here and then, you know, somehow and Mm -hmm. writing was always like on the side. What were some of those things that kind of directed your path? I think the biggest thing for me was running my own business uh, and realizing so all my life, you know, uh, I dabbled in like freelancing and then I worked in corporation where it was a nine to five. And I feel like I paid my dues to the <laughs> corporate, <laughs> to the court, to the corporate Lord. And, <laughs> uh, and now it's, 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 it's my time, right? I, um, I reached a point where I'm done working on somebody else's dream. It's now for me to pursue my dream. And I always realized, um, you know, thinking back is I would be working at a regular nine to five job. And it usually involved a media component because, you know, that's my background. That's not what I do. But I felt my mind was always somewhere else. I was always itching to create. I always wanted to go home and write. So like I would join uh, a writing groups. I would publish a short story. I would write a blog. I would, I'm always sort of distracted by that side of me, right? And the other side was like, but you have to have the nine you have to have a job to survive because that other side of you is just play, right? It's not the real thing. And so I had to make the choice that I paid my dues. I'm not rich by any means. I'm still a starving artist. <laughs> but uh, I like I feel now, like by hook or by crook, I'm going to make it work because uh, it is time, right? And whether it means getting more client work to um, to support my creative work, but my client work is done on my own terms. So I decide who the client. If I don't like the client, I will move on. And having this freedom, also realizing that you are in control of your destiny as well, uh, while while paying the bills, it's very empowering and it makes you unstoppable and it makes you realize that you can make, you can do anything. You can write a book, you can. And of course, it was a very hard journey because like the first year, you know, I, I didn't make much. Um, and then you question, you know, you start self-doubting, oh, I'm going to go back to nine to five. And I start looking and then, but then I started looking at my QuickBooks accounting and I, I realizing how things, you know, there's, there's a positive trend and I realize, you know, I'm actually going to make this work. You know, I, um, if, if I continue, if I continue to be consistent, if I continue doing what I'm doing, the trend is going upwards, not because I'm a genius, but because the the consistency and kind of knowing how to play the game. And uh, and and for me, one small th- one small thing that changed um, it's like a mindset. So I worked for a company, and it was an LLC, and I was like, okay, I also have my own LLC. 
so why can't they why can't they make it work and I can't? And I realized if they have the same at least tax categorization, the same setup, then if I can have the same setup and I hire contractors instead of employee, it's the same thing. It's tomato, tomato. So whether I call it nine to five and I'm working to LLC, LLC, I can call myself content creator and I work for an LLC. And then I started paying myself from my own LLC, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's just the mindset. So, uh, and you have to switch your mindset to realize that what is a nine to five job? Nine to five job are people working on somebody else's dream. But if I can make my own dream and hire contractors, then it's as legit as a nine to five or not even more. So, you know, these, these kind of mind tricks that I had to play to make it work and uh, just continue grinding. Um, yeah. No, I love it. That was my spiel. <laughs> no, I love this because you're you're totally singing my song. So there's two things you said that I feel like we need to unpack. So the first one is, um, and this is something that again I talk about a lot with some of my newer writers, right? Who are yeah. who also have heard the message like I did when I was a kid. I always heard the message, "Oh, that's great that you want to be a writer," because I wanted to be a writer from yeah. like a, a novelist from when I yeah. was little and when I could pick up a book. And, you know, my parents had no idea what to make of that. And they were always like, well, that's nice, but you should also, you know, be a teacher because you have to pay the bills, right? And so this idea that gets ingrained in your head of like, oh, that's just fake or that's just not reality or that's just play, right? I'm interested in like, where did that come from for you and how did you get past that? And, and similarly, the whole idea of mindset and, you know, whether it's writing, uh, you know, creating your business, doing both at the same time, like you and I are doing, you know, what you just gave us some of your, of your tips on that. But I I love to talk about mindset because I feel it's something I still struggle with. And it's something that I feel like can, like you said, make or break you. Uh, I think it also comes with age. (laughs) Now you realize how old I am, but in, okay, you're in, not old, first of all. <laughs> I feel like we're similar ages, so. Uh, well, are you in your 20s? I'm joking. No, uh, uh, so in my in my early 40s, that's when I, uh, can we cuss on this podcast? Absolutely. Or no? No, okay, I realized that I don't give a shit. Yeah. And when you reach the I don't give a shit phase of your life, yeah. you seriously become un- unstoppable. And like whether people think of what I'm doing and I don't, I had a very good job, you know, like at a, at a very like big, uh, international organization where people would hear the name was like, wow, I was the most miserable. I made a lot of money. Uh, I was, I would, uh, wake up in the middle of the night. My jaw is clenched. I would have, uh, leg cramps. Um, I gained a lot of weight health issues. And then at the end of the day, why? So that I can go to a dinner party and I tell them I work at that place and people, I mean, but at the end of the day, I was miserable. Now I'm the happiest I've been and I make, <laughs> and the broke I've ever been, but, <laughs> but, but, but that's not going to stay because I don't want to be broke. I think it's, it's important to have money as well because money can bring not all happiness, but it can live, bring a level of happiness that we need to achieve our goals. But uh, 
when you reach that state and you 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 become laser focused on what you want and you also follow the career of others who've done similar things and made it work you realize it is achievable and I'll, I'll, I'll sound maybe very patriotic here but we live in a country and you know I'm an immigrant I'm very pro US like like many immigrants um and this country allows us to do this. It's set in in a way the system to make to make entrepreneurs uh, succeed. Uh, whether it's uh, the ease of, the ease of building a business, whether it's the tax break, whether it's the culture, um, all of these things. May, and plus, now don't forget about the online era that we are in that actually allows these things to happen easily. And, but I also realized that if you, if you're not built for it, if you don't have the mindset, you are not gonna, um, you're not gonna succeed. There's a book as well that really helped me. It's called The Dip by Seth Godin. And the idea with The Dip is you're like working on a project and you kind of reach the middle or, and that is the deciding point. Are you gonna go over the dip and continue or that's it i cannot continue and if you manage to go over the dip then you made it and the dip is when things are really hard uh you know you can't make the bills you're 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 working uh you know you're, you don't see any results and you reach okay that's the point i want to quit and it's okay if you want to quit it's you know you can find a career but if you if you move beyond that point then that's it. You 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 hit rock you hit rock bottom, and everything after this is going upwards. And I feel I hit that. I hit that. I think the maybe a couple of years ago, and then and I'm I'm happy that I've passed the dip. And and passing the dip, realize realizing that I passed the test, and I'm I'm gonna keep going. Um, <laughs> and. What what is the other what is the other solution? Go to back to nine to five job grind and then sit at a desk, like you know, losing my mind over my creative um, ambitions or actually making it work. And again, I'm at an age that I've already done that, and it is the time or never. This is the time to make it work. And it's it's again, it's it's a mindset and just. As you said, create an LLC. You are an LLC. You are an employer. What difference does it make you from another employer? Do you want your benefits? You can create your own benefits. You can create your so uh, your your uh, LL like it's called a sole proprietor for O one K. You like you can you can work around it yep. if you want that perception or that illusion of a nine to five. Yep, for sure. I love I love that. And also, I heard some, I don't remember who said it, but. You know, people obviously have been talking about the economy for the past year and, you know, everyone's making projections about jobs and all the things. And, you know, someone said, whatever happens in the job market, whether it's good or bad, I'd rather just bet on myself. Correct. And, and, and the, the irony, it's not really the irony. This is the, the, the safest yeah. <laughs> path you can choose. Uh, you can never, you can never lose your job. Right. And, mm -hmm. and you have that. Uh, um, safety net. While people would say, "No, it's safer to to have a nine to five. Maybe, maybe in a uh, in a different country where people have they sign contracts where no one no one can fire you. But 
Yeah. At least in the US, you're at at will employee. You can be an employee for 20 years and nobody gives a shit. Right. You will, they're just, they'll tell you goodbye. Just yesterday, my friend called me and said her husband uh, was laid off and after like 10 years and he has three kids. It's, you know, it, it's not safe. And the illusion that exactly. the nine to five is a safety net is an illusion again. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And that's, you know, yes, a million times. Yes. And I love hearing you talk because it just reinforces because, you know, I go back and forth too of like, oh, is this, is this going to work? Can I make this work? And then, you know, you go from like really resolved to, yes, it's going to work to like, huh, do you think it is? And, you know, yeah, my advice is pay attention to your, to your business finances in terms of whatever software you use to the business software, like I use QuickBooks and I, I, I hated that stuff before, whatever. The minute I unlocked my mind, I started liking it. And again, you gamify it and just, just look at where you're going. And if your trajectory is going upwards, that's good enough for yeah. me. And for me, as long as it's going upwards and if it's not what happened, you know, I like reassessing and this for for you for me at least keeps me alive keeps me thinking keeps me creating instead of yeah. oh i have to write that report for the board right what what kind of a life is this right. you know i mean i mean i don't want to live this life anymore i really don't right um, no i hear you cuz we're not meant to just yeah through the day and and wish for friday every week right it's like yeah. we're supposed yeah. to be here to have and, fun and contribute to correct. the world and another litmus test for me was sunday evenings you know the um, mm-hmm. the sunday, sunday scaries blues. yes or the sunday blues <laughs> oh my god when i use like sunday i would not even be able to sleep i would just lose my mind now i wake up on monday and it's monday i'm excited all the yeah. projects that i want to do i want to upload this video i want to record this reel I want to write this blog post. I, I'm I'm excited. I like I, I prepare my day the day before. And for me, the just just combat or 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 conquering the Sunday blues was was the litmus test. Yeah, I love this. You're so inspirational. Thank you so much for being oh, here. <laughs> good luck with Nano, and good luck with your <laughs> next book, and good luck with your business. And we definitely need to be friends and keep each other posted on how we're doing because I think we can do some really cool things together. Definitely. Let's, let's collaborate. Happy to help. You know, I can pass on clients. Let's keep the, the collaboration going. Thank you for Let's having me. Do it. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Take care. So that's my new friend, Natasha. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and found something to take away from it. I'd love to hear what it is if you did or what you thought of the episode in general. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know at Liz McGavro or hop over to kateconti.com and send a message through my website. And make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed it. I'd love to have you back. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.